0: Hello and welcome to the BSI Education Podcast with me, Matthew Chiles.
1: And me, Alan Sellers. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And how are you, Matthew?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Particularly well, in fact, as we've had an email sent to us at education at bsigroup.com. Is that our first email? (laughs) First of many, I should think. Dan B. from Bristol writes, dear Nathan and Alec. Close enough. I guess so. I've been really enjoying your podcast over the past few months, especially the recent episode on stakeholder engagement and how standards are made. Keep up the good work. Well, very nice of you to say so, Dan. It is, rather, isn't it? It is. But he goes on. Oh no. One thing I've noticed is troubling me. Have you ever realized that both of your voices are very similar? In fact, at times you sound the same. It's so hard. It's like, it's actually quite hard to tell you apart. Are you really two people? Well, Thanks, Dan B. from Bristol. I can assure you we are two different people. In fact, there's a a really easy way you can tell the difference between us. Now, Alan has four very young children to my two. But if you listen very, very closely, every now and again, you can detect the ever so slightly higher level of hysteria in his otherwise calm and tender voice. I don't know what you mean, Matthew. (laughs) So for more insights into Alan's private life, just email education at bsigroup.com. And of course, you can use this email address for any comments, suggestions or ideas for future podcasts. We really do welcome your feedback. Now, back to the business in hand. The aim of this podcast is to bring you the stories behind standards and standardisation. In this episode, we focus on the role of academic research in standards making.
1: Our guests are from BSI and University College London. Rob Turpin is BSI Head of Sector for Healthcare, working in areas such as medical devices, clinical services and population health.
0: Jenny O'Brien is a cybersecurity graduate at IBM. During 2019, she was part of a UCL team of four postgraduates who undertook a research project about the Internet of Things.
1: Natalia Mai has recently completed her postgraduate study at UCL. During 2020, she was part of a team of five UCL postgraduates who carried out a research project on the regulatory and standardization challenges for connected and intelligent medical devices.
0: Both Natalia and Jenny were postgraduates on UCL's Digital Technology Masters in Public Administration. With Rob, Jenny and Natalia, we talk about the relationship between research and standards-making and their experiences of taking part in the BSI Student Research Programme. Before we hear from them, a quick reminder that for more information on BSI education, go to bsigroup.com forward slash education. This link and others on the themes raised in this episode can be found in the episode notes. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and share us on social media using the hashtag BSIedpod. And of course, get in touch at education at bsigroup.com. So in this episode of the podcast, we are delighted to be joined by Rob Turpin. Hello, Rob. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Also, we're also delighted to be joined by Jenny O'Brien. Hello, Jenny. How are you?
2: I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: And we're also delighted to be joined by Natalie. There we go, see? And we're also (laughs) delighted to be joined by Natalia Mai. Hello, Natalia, how are you? Hello,
3: I'm very well, thank you.
0: How are you? Very good. Now, wow, Alan, this is the first time I've had three guests on the podcast. Do you think we'll be able to cope? I'm not too sure, Matthew. (laughs) Well, I've seen how I've almost ruined the introduction there, but um, uh, you're all very welcome and it's great to have you here. Now, Rob, You're head of sector at BSI for healthcare. Can you tell us a little bit more about that role?
4: Certainly. So I have an engineering background, uh, but I've actually been at BSI for 19 years now, just past my 19th year anniversary. Uh, And in the past, I've worked on both national and international standardization programs, and for the last eight years, I've led the work in the healthcare sector. So, my role is to develop and maintain BSI's position and relevance in this important market sector uh, by understanding the industry, uh, by understanding the profession, and then the policy drivers and the needs of the sector. And my role is to position BSI's products, services, and solutions to support the ambitions of the sector.
0: Excellent. We'll come back to 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 the sectors uh, later on. But Jenny, how about you? Now you are a cybersecurity graduate at IBM. Can you tell us a bit mm-hmm. about that?
2: Yeah, sure. Yes, yeah, so I'm currently on the grad scheme, and this is like a two year program. And I'm sitting at the minute on both the delivery team and the healthcare and life sciences team, um, within the security business unit. And during our two years, we get a chance to switch to different teams depending on what you're interested in.
0: Excellent. Now, Natalia, you have just graduated. So what about your sort of current position? What's, what's next for you?
3: I have very recently started uh, my new job as a competition policy manager with Ofcom, the communications regulator uh, in the UK.
1: Now, in these podcasts, we're always keen to learn about the standards journey of our guests. So how did you get here and what's been your standards journey? Rob, you might have to go a bit far back, seeing as it is your 19th work anniversary last week. How did you get into
4: standards? Some time ago, I was working for an engineering organisation and I felt I'd kind of done as much as I could in that role. And I was really looking for something a little bit different. uh, And I saw a job advertisement. I think it was in the Daily Telegraph at the time. So it was a, a national publication. And they were looking for program managers to cover specific sectors, and they had some vacancies within what was our engineering sector at the time so that covers anything from uh, steels metals, welding pressure vessels those sorts of things and I joined a team of about twenty people uh, and was really focused on the the facilitating the standardization process initially at a at a national level so We uh, facilitate national standards committees, which bring together industry experts and we get them to develop organisational best practices, both at a national level and an international level. Over time, my work took me towards uh, the international programmes that we run. So I got heavily involved in fire safety committees, um, uh, committees running pressure, uh, developing pressure equipment standards. And then I moved back to focusing on a specific sector. And at the time, there was an opportunity to develop the healthcare sector further. We've always had a strong presence in relation to medical device in our regulation. And the purpose of this role was to grow that, but also to expand on it into to wider areas of healthcare. So over the last seven or eight years, I've really been focused on what BSI is doing in the medical devices sector from a standardization perspective, but also thinking about the other areas we can expand into such as digital health clinical services um, and how standards can support the the wider population Jenny
1: mm-hmm. and Natalia I think you're probably at the other end of of the spectrum in in terms of just recently graduating mm-hmm. and it, I, for me it's unusual to hear of, of recent graduates that have an interest in standards so where does that come from?
2: I had always I, you'd always kind of aware of the presence of standards but for me it was actually during um, the MPA the Masters of Public Administration that we did in UCL Um it was in semester one we had a class with Arena, where she kind of went through the standards, the regulation and the policy and like how they all kind of relate and their importance and the impact of each one. And I remember it being a really intense class, um, but it was so interesting. Um, Yeah, really intense, but it was just so cool to just understand how they all function. And then after that class, just, I saw the BSI symbol, I think everywhere. <laughs> um, and then even Clem, one of my team members during our group project, she like two weeks later saw someone with a tattoo of the bsi symbol on their arm um so yeah it was kind of just mainly from the masters is how i got into standards
1: that's the first time i've ever heard of a bsi tattoo yeah i wonder what standards that might have been to
0: I'd forgotten about that story, Jane. That's fantastic, actually. And I, uh, we, we might get Rob. We are doing this via Zoom, so we might get Rob to reveal his tattoo and tell us, tell us where it is, where the where the BSI symbol is, because obviously we all have them, don't we, Rob? Maybe it's a, <laughs> or maybe it's a 20th anniversary thing. Maybe you have to wait until you get there 20 years before you have your BSI tattoo.
4: That was supposed to be our best kept secret, Matthew.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Natalie, before you tell us your your particular journey, I just want to just want to clarify. Uh, Jenny, you mentioned there, Irina, which is uh, Dr. Arena Brass for, from mm-hmm. UCL, who uh, is one of the course leaders for the uh, Digital Technologies MPA, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, just to remind uh, people listening that we interviewed Uh, arena for episode two of the podcast where we talked about the the importance of standards education and and how committed arena is to supporting undergraduates and postgraduates find out about the world of standards so natalia over to you your 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 particular journey
3: so I think my journey is is quite similar to, to Jenny's. So my main interaction with standards and the first time I really got to know them better was during uh, the Masters of Public Administration. Um, I am a lawyer by background, uh, and I practice for, uh, for, for for some time. So obviously I did come across uh, standards as a as a form of uh, self regulation and so on, but never really understood how they work with, in practice, and was very curious to understand how. How they complement regulations, uh, and that's also one of the reasons why I've chosen to do the group project uh, focusing on standards. Um, and yeah, so this has been the focus of my journey.
0: Before we dive into those those group projects,
3: uh, Rob, maybe
0: you could just take us inside how how BSI think about the sectors again, about the healthcare sector. What is the strategic approach to standards development? Why does BSI approach this uh, standards development in this way? Who's involved? How does it work? Can you tell us a bit bit about that?
4: Yes, so I'm part of a team that develops and implements strategies for engaging with key market sectors and relevant government departments. Uh, And across BSI Knowledge Solutions, we have eight key sectors that we focus on, and healthcare being one of those. Uh, And the purpose of this is to ensure that BSI is fully involved in industry, government, sector initiatives from a standardisation perspective. So we focus on a five-year time frame that considers the direction of market trends in our sectors and the ways that BSI could respond to these trends and help the sector. So in healthcare, A good example is that there are currently some significant changes ongoing in terms of the regulation of medical technology. Those are impacted both by Brexit, but also the implementation of new rules within the European Union. And added to this, there's a growth of digital and data-driven innovations in the medical technology sector. So our strategy has to consider how we respond to this and how we agree actions across all of the BSI knowledge solutions teams. So it includes the development of our own standardisation committees and standardisation programmes. But it also includes aspects of marketing, policy, product and, and content development initiatives.
0: And The role of academic research in this process?
4: Absolutely. So supporting innovation is a fundamental component within all of our key sectors and it's particularly noticeable in the life sciences and medical technology space, where a number of new innovations are significantly changing the way that healthcare is delivered. These include things such as robots, implantable devices, drug delivery solutions, wearable technologies, but also there's a really big focus on data-driven solutions such as genomics, healthcare apps, and artificial intelligence. Now, academic research is important to us for two reasons. Firstly, it provides an early insight into the pipeline of emerging themes that will impact the healthcare system in the future. This means that BSI can be proactive in the way that it supports these new trends. And then secondly, academic research frames the particular challenges and barriers to adoption of new technologies which ultimately lead us towards creating new standards-based solutions.
0: Now, Natalia and Jenny, Rob has mentioned their uh, new and emerging technologies. This, you mentioned the digital technologies MPA you did at UCL. I wonder if you could take us inside that course. You know, what what's it about and what, what attracted you to do it? Maybe I'll ask Natalia that first.
3: So yes, this uh we've done the Masters of Public Administration at UCL's Department of Science, like, uh Science Engineering, oh that's embarrassing. Science, technology, mm-hmm. <laughs> engineering, and public policy. Uh and I think what has really attracted me to this course and was the sort of distinguishing feature of the course is the very practical orientation the focus is on solving real problems, big problems. Um, and thinking about how we can do, how we can use research and all those scientific insights to solve policy problems, uh, and this and our my focus on my route was uh, the digital technologies and policy, and I think this is quite a unique course in terms of I'm not aware of many other courses having this sort of focus and this very practical orientation.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, the applied nature is really important i suppose isn't it jenny especially for the group research project that you're asked Mm -hmm. to undertake can you tell us about how that works
2: the group project yeah Yeah. um so it's essentially runs over nine months so it's part of term two but you mainly focus on it in term three um because you have more time and you're not in actual classes you're sorted into groups of about four or five depending on who's interested in what projects and within that you work with a client. So obviously um, our group project got to work with the BSI. So it's working with a real client on a real problem that they kind of want um, research done around. Um, and yeah, it's everyone gets assigned different roles. And it, it was just such a great experience in the sense that you're working in these groups because you're gonna work in groups for the rest of your lives. So that was a real big um, pull as to why I wanted to do the MPA because rather than sitting in a room, doing a dissertation by yourself, up till all hours um, this was really practical hands-on experience and um, so yeah that's kind of how they functioned.
0: So Rob you told us there that uh, academic research plays a really important role in in standards development. I just wonder for a, a postgraduate research project how did you what did you think about approaching uh, working on a project of that nature?
4: I think it was something that was at the the front of our minds at the beginning of this year uh, and it was certainly part of the, the healthcare strategy that we've developed. To give you an example, uh, back in 2015 we developed a code of practice uh, that was aimed at providing criteria for health and wellness apps, quality criteria Um, And it was aimed at addressing the wild west of healthcare apps that were appearing on Apple and Google stores so that organisations and the public could identify which apps were the best um, and which ones they should give the most attention to. And the work included a a range of stakeholders um, from industry uh, health professionals. But one of the key aspects for me was the academic input into this project, because actually it was key to... Determining some of the problems that needed to be addressed and a really good example of this is academic research showed us that uh, the popularity of a particular app on an app store bore no relevance to how effective it was. And that was something that we had to get right in the standard, because obviously apps need need to be marketed to the public, but they also need to be able to demonstrate that they're they're effective, that they perform in the correct way and that they perform to their intended use. And that's a key part of the the medical device regulations that we're close to, Uh, but also it's something that really should apply to all health software, whether it's regulated or unregulated. And so it's examples like that where academic research comes into our projects that we can actually help to build a set of quality criteria that make sense to the organisations that are developing and using health apps so obviously at the beginning of this year when I had the opportunity to uh, work on a similar project uh, in relation to connected medical devices I thought that would be really helpful it's an area where the regulatory landscape has changed a little bit over time Uh, there are new standards coming out and BSI really needs to think about how we approach this area, how we maximise our relevance, um, and our and the way we support organisations and the healthcare system uh, through the deployment of uh, connected and smart medical devices. Natalia,
0: Rob's given you a nice segue there into uh, into talking about the project itself. Could you could you take us through your project in terms of the subject, sort of overall approach, and some of the key findings?
3: Sure, with pleasure. So just to, just to repeat, our project was on regulatory and standardization challenges of connected intelligent medical devices. Um, it's been fascinating to work on such a fast moving, important and relevant potentially life-saving uh, area. Um, the way we've approached the, the project and the topic, uh, we've done extensive research, both primary and, and secondary, primary research consisted of interviews with stakeholders, a survey that we had uh, and we also had secondary research covering extensive literature review as well as horizon scanning and we came up with a lot of interesting findings. Um, So our main focus was trying to understand what's so special about those connected intelligent medical devices and what are the the main issues uh, and the problems they create Um, and we came out as a result of some very interesting findings so just to for instance highlight one of the very interesting conclusions that we that we reach is that the pace of technological change in the field of connected intelligent medical devices means that actually it's very hard for regulations to to keep up and to keep on addressing potential problems and as a result we have regulatory gaps and gray areas emerging Uh, and we found that actually standards might play a very important role in this context by filling in those gaps uh, and providing a degree of stability stability in the sector.
0: And Jenny, your project uh, took place during 2019 Mm -hmm. uh, around the issue of Internet of Things. Can you tell us a bit more about your project?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so ours was kind of to bridge the operational and organizational challenges that um, SME small, medium enterprises that they face when they're both kind of navigating, adopting and implementing um, IoT, the Internet of Things, what their standards and the kind of barriers they also face when trying to implement them and also participate in the standards development process. So then our project was to just research this and then give recommendations to the BSI. And the way that we approached it was we did, we did it was like a mixed method. Um, so we did an online survey, we did semi-structured interviews, um, we did desk-based research. Um, as we, the whole focus of the project was to build upon the white paper that um, the Petra Cybersecurity of the IoT Research Hub did with the BSI previously, because um, they did a paper um, just kind of looking to understand the challenges that SMEs are facing in this field. Um so that was a lot of our desk space research was um looking at what they had already researched and come up with and then also doing a lot of participant observations because obviously ours was pre-COVID, so we had the opportunity to go and attend the BSI conference and um to go to different IoT industry events. Um and yeah, so we found quite a number of findings um both in the sense of what benefits that standards um give to iot smes like um they provide compliance safety security they provide this kind of baseline for the market for them so that there's a agreed set of methodology and definitions um or kind of it can boost that iot smes reputation but there were quite a number of barriers that we also faced i won't um go into too much detail there because it can be quite long um but there was just this lack of understanding of the benefit of standards they can be viewed as quite burdensome because SMEs obviously don't have the financial time um, or resources just to participate or to buy these standards Um, and so they're viewed as more burdensome and there's also this um, inaccessibility to the standards online and they they were too lengthy and they just didn't have the time to go through everything and then there was also this lack of awareness by consumers of what products and services are compliant Um, Yeah, sorry, I could go on for a really long time, but they were kind of the main findings that we had.
0: Excellent, Jenny. Thank you for that. And I think uh, we'll come back later. Obviously, your your project was in 2019, but we'll come back later to ask you about what happened next with with those findings. I think obviously um, carrying out research is really important, um, but obviously the impact that it has is is more important. So we'll come back and talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. Um, Rob, um, uh, and I suppose a question for Rob and Natalia, really, about the research brief, just to sort of get a bit processy, y um, how, did, how did you develop a research brief for the project? Who was involved? Maybe Rob, you want to have a, have a go at that first.
4: So from a BSI perspective, we started with the medical device regulations, which cover safety and performance of devices, and the nature of digital health and connected devices that bring in a security element. So we use the existing regulations and the supporting standards as a basis to start that discussion. And we felt from our perspective that it was an area that was misunderstood. So if we think about physical products as medical devices, there's already a strong regulatory and standardization framework that supports those, those types of products in terms of risk management, quality assurance, uh, electrical safety, uh, and so on. When you get towards having a connected and digital product, you bring in other consideration, uh, considerations relating to cybersecurity. So, for example, you have to think about the environment that the device is working in. The device itself may be working fine. It may be working perfectly in, the, uh, in its own environment, but you have to consider how it might interact with uh, clinicians, medical systems, with hospital systems and with other organizations and people who are involved in the supply chain. So for me, it opens up a series of questions that we didn't really understand relating to how do connected and smart devices interact with the environment around them? And how, how do we understand them in terms of ensuring that we reduce risks and we ensure safety and the pro- proper performance of these devices as much as possible? Natalia, you from your perspective, I mean one of the
0: issues whenever you're conducting a research project is is a sense of ownership on it. so I just wonder from your from your experience how much you felt uh, working on a project with BSI was a, a sort of a co creation how How much do you feel the influence you had over the project itself?
3: I think what actually one of the things that we really enjoyed my group about this project is that we actually really had the influence over the direction that the research is taking, and it really was, as you said, the process of, of co-creation. So, for instance, um, something that was very important for us, and also because of the interest of, of the team members, was the innovation landscape. Uh, and we are very, very keen to sort of understand a bit better what how the innovation in the, se- in the sector occurs, what are the main actors and what challenges they're facing, and actually Jenny, it was so interesting to, to hear you talk about your project, because we actually had some of the similar points of focus and some similar interests mm-hmm. to understand how innovation in the sector occurs. And then we have realized that actually it's SMEs that have such an important role, but actually they face quite a few more challenges. And this is something that, that we quite pushed in our research. Mm-hmm. Um, and came up very early in our projects, uh, in our project planning stage, came up with the idea of the entrepreneurs guide that we wanted to produce to, to help entrepreneurs in this field, uh, various SMEs, to navigate those challenges uh, that regulations and standards are, are creating for them. Um, and that was one of the initial ideas that was sort of presented to, to Rob and the, and the BSI team uh, and one of the examples of how, how we actually
0: co-created this project and the direction. Just on the, on the practicalities then we've, we've talked that you've talked there about how the, the brief itself was a co-creation uh, sort of another practical consideration, sort of how did it work? I mean, given that you are a, a group of students uh, working at a, uh, at a university uh, BSI as a sort of corporate client uh, sitting elsewhere, um, how did it work on a practical level? in terms of contact and communication and sort of project management?
3: Yes, yeah, so I think obviously for us what was quite difficult is that we are working throughout the COVID pandemic and then the first uh, lockdown. Uh, luckily, we managed to have a face-to-face meet- meeting with the BSI team just before, I think it was in, in February uh, 2020, so just before things, things kick off. And I think that was very valuable for us to be able to, to come to the BSI officers to meet meet the team in person and we were very grateful for this opportunity and subsequently we kept in very regular uh, contact so we had more or less monthly meetings monthly calls uh, scheduled to to catch up Uh, but actually there was so much more communication above this I think overall we had email exchanges um, every week more or less Uh, and that was very very valuable for us to sort of Ensure that you know, despite not being able to to, to meet the BSI team anymore in person, we were on the right track. That uh, we were able to check with BSI whether they happy with the direction we're going in, and whether that any different uh, angles to our research that we should take. Uh, and actually, we had also additional calls of more more ad hoc to to discuss, for instance, feedback on our deliverables. Or, or any sort of more difficult technical issues that we that we encountered, and we are very grateful for for the BSI team' willingness to to engage with us in this way.
0: Jenny, would that be a similar experience that you had, obviously in a pre-COVID environment in 2019?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad that the other team got to go to the BSI conf or to the to go to the offices before COVID hit because that is still one of our favorite days that we talk about. Um, just getting to go into the BSI and kind of meet the team. But yeah, no, absolutely. The interactions were so responsive. Um, I was kind of the main point of contact for the emails, but there were constant emails, um, Skype calls. If we ever had a problem, we could always ask you. Um. And just, yeah, it was just, it was so lovely to have someone that was so, that would come back to us so quickly and so helpful because um, it just made the experience, it felt like we were being supported the whole way through, um, which was great. And then obviously you were really helpful with reading, doing drafts and um, looking at drafts just to make it more business-like um, and then inviting us to the BSI conferences. And it just, it always felt like there was this open dialogue between us.
0: Rob, from from a client side, Obviously, getting the research brief right is always the most important thing before you kickstart any project. How about your experience uh, this year working with Natalia and and the team there? How did the project evolve for you? Was it was it the
4: sort of experience you you anticipated, or was it better? So, aside from COVID nineteen, yes, it went very very well. I think we had a good separation between the general progress of the project, the timelines. Were we developing the whole program in the right way versus answering specific questions on particular parts of the project? So for me, there was a really good separation um, and some really clear planning on on how we covered both of those parts without muddying the water or confusing things. So for me, there was always a, a clear direction and a clear understanding of the progress we've made on the project, what had gone well, where we might need to apply some more resources or some further thinking. Uh, and pretty much the whole way through, I, we, we, we kept the timelines that we'd agreed at the start. Uh, but that was, uh, that was separated from particular questions that came up during the programme that we would endeavour to answer more quickly, uh, usually around a particular point relating to a standard, for example, or how a standard was applied, or a, a particular regulatory challenge or, a, or an innovation problem
3: could just uh, add up on this. I think that was so helpful for us to to be able to ask those questions to BSI just because we're dealing with such a technical and difficult topic with so many layers. Uh, so it was very helpful for us to be able to ask ask those questions uh, and get some responses to to guide us further.
0: Jenny, you mentioned there about one of the highlights of your, not only your project, but your life by the sounds, a bit of going to the BSI, uh, <laughs> Uh, HQ in Chiswick uh, was but <laughs> it's any cool. day where I get to go to BSA towers <laughs> is a happy day Matthew or <laughs> mm-hmm. well, excellence HQ as nobody calls it apart from me
2: um <laughs> I'm
0: interested in, in the sort of opportunities you were given during the project Jenny you mentioned you referenced a couple of times that the BSI conferences are and national standards conferences we hold a couple of times each year and in fact the the next one is coming up uh, this November
2: mm-hmm. um
0: Tell us about the other other opportunities you were given, or maybe just first tell us about the conference that you that you presented at.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. So we were, we got to present. We did like three workout work workshop kind of breakout se- sessions. Um. So this is we got to like present our project, but the majority of the time was spent actually asking questions to the people in the room to kind of get a better understanding of what they think of the standards development process, and so that kind of then prov- provided the baseline for our survey. Um, and then it was also so invaluable in the sense that we got to do a lot of networking opportunities. And from the conference, we actually got to interview three people as part of our um, as part of the project. So it was great just for a networking kind of stance as well. Um, and then I was I actually went back then a second time in November with Elizabeth, one of my team members. And that was great just to go back and see everyone and just kind of catch up because I recognized those of the people. Um, and we actually got to see that a picture of us how it was on the cover of the, um, the booklet for the November one, which was, I don't know, it was cool. Um, but then other opportunities were the BSI then kindly, with our survey, they marketed it for us, they sent out emails. Um, and then they, because it was kind of hard to get an incentive for SMEs to participate in the survey, the BSI then kindly said that um, anyone who completed the survey would then have a limited time access to BSOL which is the British Standards Online Database Um, so that was a really great incentive to get more people to participate in all of our research Um, so yeah it was it was great and then just the feedback and stuff that we got as well so it was really invaluable.
0: And Natalia you also took advantage of the conferences this year?
2: Yes, some very, again, uh, quite similar
3: experiences to, to Jenny. So we participated in the, in the conference, but because of COVID, it was uh, an e-conference. So obviously that that was a slightly different setup, but uh, we ran a session with uh, with participants, asking them that uh, presenting our research and presenting them, asking them different questions. Uh, and it was so valuable, although it was very early in our uh, At the very early stage in our research it was very valuable to engage with the stakeholders and be able to ask those questions to to see whether we are going in the in the right direction Um, and there were also other numerous other um, opportunities. BSI has been extremely kind and generous in sharing contacts uh, with interviewees with us um, which gave us an amazing opportunity to engage with some people that probably would be very hard normally to, to interview for us and we wouldn't be able to get access to them. And I think this has mm-hmm. had an incredible impact on, on the quality of our research and the, the quality of insights that we are able to to produce. And we also had the survey that the BSI was kindly hosting on the website and, and helped us uh, reach out to, to people.
0: Actually, it's a very important point you've, you've raised there, uh, Italia, about sort of the group efforts and, and Rob, from to BSI's perspective, you know, the opportunities were given for other people within BSI to take part. It wasn't just yourself.
4: Absolutely. So within BSI, we're really grateful for the work that UCL has undertaken for us. It's been a really worthwhile opportunity. Uh, And not just for myself, but for uh, the other teams involved. So We've involved our research and insights team in this program. We've invo- uh, involved a medical devices specialist as well who has experienced within the BSI regulatory services team. Going forward, this is an activity that we would like to build on and repeat in future years because I think it really helps BSI to build an insight into the pipeline of novel technologies or changes within a particular sector. I think we've done a really good job this year in identifying some of the challenges relating to this particular area of connected medical devices and how standards and standardisation fits into that. And I definitely think it's an opportunity we would like to repeat across our wider sector teams going forward.
0: Now, Jenny and Natalia, it sounds to me like you had a great experience, which is which is really which is really good to hear from carrying out the research. So it obviously, is a, a learning experience, very very important, and made a, obviously a contribution to your to your MPA program, and obviously helped you uh, graduate, which is fantastic. And uh, looking like um, obviously you you both secured uh, new jobs, which is also fantastic as well. Um, but obviously, doing having a great learning experience is one thing. Um, implementing the results of the research is another. So maybe Rob, if I could ask you, how, how will this year's project on connected intelligent medical devices, how will the report recommendations be implemented? What will BSI do with the research findings?
4: So first of all, we're in the process of publishing the reports and the Entrepreneur's Guide on our website, um, and we will maximise that through a number of uh, publicity activities, But also going forward, it's vital that we build on the recommendations that are set out in the report. So we'll be incorporating these into our strategy going forward. And we'll be working across a number of our internal internal teams uh, to implement them over the coming months. One of the key aspects for me is the report comes up with a series of recommendations that talk about BSI being a global champion for standards development in emerging technologies. Uh, also about reviewing ethical considerations, so topics that sit slightly away from our, our traditional home of medical device regulation, trying to fa- facilitate SME participation in the standardisation processes and also making standards more understandable. One of the problems and one of the challenges we will have in this space is standardisation sits in several different committees in several different areas at the moment. And I think one of the things we can do is start to provide more oversight that helps to address some of these particular challenges. So how do we start to bring SMEs into our process so that they get an overview of what's going on? How do we ensure that BSI is taking the lead in areas such as artificial intelligence, which is, a, a, is going to be a global driver for healthcare?
0: So, Jenny, I'm just thinking about what your, your 2019 project is. Mm-hmm. And really, sort of what ha- what happened next, obviously, as uh, for, for the team members, but also for the project itself.
2: So it was originally published um, on the IoT One committee homepage, um, but we're also at the minute looking to get the uh, the paper published. So we're working with Arena, obviously, all over Skype because we're in different parts of the globe. Um, but to use to not let it go to waste, just to use all of the all of the research that we did to then get it published in academic journals. So. We're still in the process, but that should hopefully be soon. There's, there was 14 members, myself, Clem, um, Elizabeth, and Isabella. And uh, Elizabeth is back in the US. She's working as a research associate um, in Washington DC for Peck, uh, Madigan Jones, just kind of focusing on technology, cybersecurity. Um, and then Isabella is working as a developer at the FinTech Curve. Um, she's on the, uh, the, Dev, the DevX team. Um, And then Clem is working in Microsoft, France on digital transformation. And yeah, so we're all, we all have jobs, thankfully. (laughs)
0: And as I understand Isabella has become a standards maker.
2: She has indeed. Yes, she did. Yeah, she did that um, almost immediately after we finished the group project. Um, She sits on the cards and security devices for personal identification. Even when I asked her about it, she said she was absolutely loving us. Um, they've recently upgraded, I think, their committee to a new portal so that you can see all the working papers in one place, because before I think it was via email. But yeah, she seems to be getting on great with it, which is fantastic just to see that, you know, she's still involved in the standards world.
0: Excellent. And uh, for the 2020 team, t- t- I'll put my teeth in and have another go of that. For the 2020 team, uh, Natalia, um, what's happened to the team members?
3: Yeah, so the team, it was five of us, uh, myself, Mala, Jayhwi, Gabriela, and Jan. uh, And obviously we finished very, very recently, but I understand, the team is embarking on a really diverse range of careers, which is very exciting. And I think it shows where our MPA and the the project uh, to how many different places it can take us, but the careers are ranging from startups to public sector to, to research. Uh, with a lot of people being very close to emerging technologies and and digital digital technology, uh, and I think uh, what I can say, which is very exciting, is that one of our team members, Gabriela, um, she's working on a lot of standards related projects, and is now also a member of one of this, of some of the BSI committees uh, specializing in AI, and as I understand, mirror committees as well.
4: We started this work in February before any of us considered that we could be going into a lockdown. And yet UCL has managed to deliver a fantastic piece of work, despite the fact that we had to move meetings, events, and interviews to, a, to being virtual. But for me, I think the COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted the need for smart and connected medical devices in the future. There's now a greater interest in monitoring public health and well-being and to drive healthcare delivery from more remote locations. And therefore the report and its outcomes are very, very timely for us.
3: Uh, I wanted to add about some of the fantastic uh, opportunities that we had as a result and as part of this project. So very recently, two of our team members have presented our research at the cybersecurity conference. Uh, it was great that we could apply and present those findings in, in a different setting, also not only to to BSI but also to a wider community. Um, and another thing that we found very useful at the very early stages of the project was that we could attend uh, some of the BSI committees. I think it was fascinating to better understand how the committees work and how the standardization process works in practice. And this has also allowed us to to get exposure to some. Uh, stakeholders um, as well. Something that I think for me was one of the big values and also challenges of the project. Is that it was really a proper big lesson in, in flexibility and, and adaptability. And I think not only COVID nineteen and how we all had to adjust, but actually there was so when we were working on our project on medical devices. There were so many changes in the field of medical devices itself that required us to be very flexible and dynamic. So, for instance, as an example, the medical device regulation was meant to be implemented in May 2020. But then I think in in April it was announced that actually it would be delayed for a year, which was very important in the context of our research and probably even more. So tellingly, just a week before the submission of our final uh, written report, uh, the MHRA issued some very important relevant guidelines on uh, medical device regulation in the post, post-Brexit era. And I have to say the Brexit and like the future of the, regula- of the regulation of, of medical devices in the UK after Brexit was one, one of those important question marks that we had throughout the entire project that we didn't really know where the policy direction is and where we're heading, uh, so it was very. So I'm very glad that this, these guidelines came in before we submitted our project, but also it required us to to do some very last minute adjustments and edits. Um, I think as a result, we're able to make it more relevant and more more grounded in in uh, in, in the developments.
2: Yeah, no. Just a final thought, on just um, what a great opportunity it was to do the student research program and. How highly I recommend it to anyone um, to do because it's just their skills that you kind of that I know that I've taken with me even into my new job and it was just such a fantastic opportunity to work with the team with Matthew Sophie um, and all the other team members together and just to understand how research works but with a client as well on the other side of it um, and just yeah it was it was an amazing opportunity and I'm so glad that I chose to do this project.
0: You have been listening to an episode of the BSI Education Podcast. For more information on BSI education, go to bsigroup.com forward slash education. This link and others on the themes raised in this episode can be found in the episode notes. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and share us on social media using the hashtag #BSIEdPod. And if you have any comments, suggestions, questions or ideas for future podcasts, then do please get in touch at education at bsigroup.com. We welcome your feedback. All that remains is for me to say thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny.
3: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Natalia.
3: Thank you. It was great to join you today.
0: Thank you, Alan. Thank you. And of course, to thank you for listening.